What you believe about yourself and your life is likely not based in reality, but in bullshit stories that you did not consent to, pieced together throughout your life with ideas offered to you from external sources. This podcast is here to help you recognize and dismantle those stories so you can reclaim your power and achieve what you want in life. Welcome to Yeah, I Made That Up with life and business coach Kelly Jackson. Hi, I love you and I love the discussion you're about to listen to. Um for the month of June inside the Rexy Collective. Our book club book was The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. And holy shit, y'all, this discussion was phenomenal. Um, I think it's I think it's my favorite one yet. Uh, the amount of insight that the people who participated in, in the call, our members, um, took from it is just astounding. And the amount of, of self-reflection is astounding. And a part of it is because of the work that they have done and, and the willingness to do the work. And part of it is because of the book itself and the way it's written. Um, and I, oh, if you, if you haven't read this book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, you can follow Caroline on Instagram, both at her personal account as well as the Fuck It Diet account. And, you know, I recommend both. Why not? Um, but it is such an incredible book. And this was such an insightful discussion. And I growl at the patriarchy a number of times. <laughs> and at diet culture. And at white supremacy. And at the diet industrial complex which we discovered thanks to one of our members is the acronym is dick so take that take that and use it for yourself um but yeah it's a it's a phenomenal discussion it's a phenomenal book and i am excited to share it with you oh my gosh okay so we are talking about the fuck it diet by caroline duner and um deli you were just talking about how so before we get to that, I know everyone is at different places in this book. Not everyone has finished it. I don't know if any of you have finished it. Not the point. Um, but Deli, you were just talking about how in the very beginning, she goes through the study where they like created starvation and then like overcame, not overcame, but like healed from starvation or whatever. Um, please continue with what you were what you were talking about there. Yeah. Um, they were, it was a study to figure out the best ways to recuperate from starvation. Um, and they went into it with the intention of the, uh, Caroline Duner, the author describes that they went into it with the intention thinking that the best way to do it would be to do it slow in slow stages, like slowly increasing it instead of just all at once, everything. Um, okay. Hold on. And to clarify, healing oh. from starvation they thought yeah. that that would be best done in slow increments is that right um yes okay. slowly and inc- slowly increasing the caloric intake mm-hmm. um so what they had done is it was oh it was all i know it was all men it was all men that were against what they were doing because they were trying to pick the people that were like the most unlikely to like it like that they thought would be the best fit for the program um and so they reduced they created starvation like you said they reduced their caloric intake to i think it was 1200 calories a day for three months Um, which is fascinating because that's the fucking caloric intake that is suggested in most fucking diets it is i have been on that diet before I was trying to lose weight when I was like 19 because of course I was and I was taking in a thousand calories a day uh-huh 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 literally starving myself yeah I can't oh Jesus I've done every fucking diet like every single mm-hmm. fucking one of them um and for so long I thought I was like like so long 
I thought that I was just ultra health conscious because I had been a massage therapist. And so like I was in the alternative health world and like all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. So I thought that my hyper fixation was actually a positive thing. Turns out my hyper fixation was an eating disorder. Oh no. Um, And now like after following these concepts for a while and also after like COVID reduced my lung capacity. (laughs) So I'm building (laughs) that up. Um, My body has expanded by, you know, a fairly considerable amount. Um, And it wasn't, it wasn't until I like, I got down to quote unquote, got down to my goal weight. And I was like, fuck yeah, for two weeks. And then magically a pair of jeans, a size smaller appeared in my world. And I was like, oh, actually that's what would be better. It wasn't until Mm -hmm. that point. And that was not that long ago, y'all. That I was like, oh, maybe I have work to do here. Interesting. And I started delving into anti-diet culture and health at any size. And this is one of the first books that I read. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I, when I read those very first few pages, when she talks about this study, I had to put the book down. I was like, no, I got to, I got to back away from this for a hot second process some shit. (laughs) Yes. That's why I haven't finished the book yet is because like I finished reading about what she talks about, about that study. And it is referenced in the book. Um, And I was just like, I need to walk away from this for just a second because the same day that I started the book, Facebook memories pulled up a picture of me from 11 years ago that I was this big around in. And I remember pre-coaching with you before I started your year long program, every time I would see those pictures from that time, like you could see my collarbone just sitting here. Like it was like protruding. Um, And I would see those pictures and be like, oh God, I was so skinny. I was so healthy because I was eating 1,000 to 1,100 calories a day and I was running three miles every day. Mm-hmm. So not only was I not taking in enough calories, but I was creating an increased need for calories. Mm-hmm. And like I used to pre-coaching, I used to look at that and was like, man, I was so healthy. And then like with coaching, I was like, I was not healthy. I was barely eating and I was running like crazy to what fit into a size 10. Like that was, that was my goal because I have a bigger body. I've always had a bigger body and that's what it took for me to be, for me to accept myself. And then guess what? I didn't accept myself. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I would run a minimum of three miles a day and it did not matter if I had been to a fucking keg party. It did not matter what was going on three miles a day. I would walk my ass to the fucking high school track what what was I somewhere unsafe? Maybe. Like, was I drunk? Maybe. You know, like it did not right. fucking matter. Like, no matter what, I would run three miles a day. Mm-hmm. What what what? What? Yeah. Not that running is bad. I am not like anti-running. I think that, you know, if you want to run, if that feels good to your body, run. But like, no yeah. matter what. Even if I had done marching band practice, even if I had done, like, it did not fucking matter. Even if I hadn't eaten all day, or even if I had eaten my favorite diet of popcorn and yogurt, mm-hmm. I, I, I sustained myself on popcorn and yogurt for a long ass time. Yes. What? What? I just, you just reminded me, Kelly, I went running in Boji one night after going to the bar and I, because I was at the bar, I was not dressed for running, but I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go running. And so I ran like three miles fucking barefoot. Yeah. What? Yeah. The things that we put our bodies through because of our fucking patriarchal socialization, because of our white supremacist socialization, because of our anti-fat socialization is astounding. And then convincing ourselves that it's because we're trying to be healthy. Like, what what the fuck does healthy even mean? What does healthy mean? Does it mean a strict caloric deficit where you're actually putting your body in a starvation mode? I don't think it does. I actually, for a long time, was doing, like, my fitness pal, tracking my calories, using my Fitbit thing, whatever. And 
they recommend 1200 calories a day minimum for women. And they said anything less than that is considered unhealthy. And so I Googled it. And of course it says that's technically anorexia nervosa. Mm-hmm. If you eat less than 1200 calories a day. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't apply to me because mm. I'm overweight. So obviously it's not anorexia mm-hmm. for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's yeah. the exact same thing. I was like, well, clearly I need to be do- taking in even less than that because I'm trying to lose weight. Right. That's what it means. I have to eat less. Right. And how fucked up is that? How fucked up is that? Because some chart tells me that I am a certain label that is called overweight. That means that I can't have this particular eating disorder because only skinny people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to want to have the willpower enough to be anorexic. I used to shame myself for not being able to be anorexic. Same. Yeah. Same. Every time I ate snacks, like, and just enjoyed myself eating snacks, as soon as I was done and I saw the aftermath, which is the empty container, I'd be like, why can't I just be bulimic and throw it all back up? What? Mm-hmm. what? Why would you want that? Um, because you're socialized to believe that your body is wrong and that you're in control of it entirely. It's so fucked up. It's so much bullshit. And how much, how much time could we save? How much shit could we get done? How much other amazing shit could we do with our lives if we were not so obsessed with controlling the size and shape of our bodies? Y'all, fuck. Right. Um, I find this fascinating because I never, ever um, put myself in that category because I didn't want to be anorexic and I didn't shame myself for not being anorexic. I assumed I was just too lazy to ever be any of those things. Hmm. And that was where my problem came in is that um, I always just ate. It feels good. I mean, I subscribed to the toast diet in college a lot where I ate 12 pieces of uh, cinnamon toast for dinner, like whenever I felt like it and wanted to like, you know, feel good. And luckily toast was unlimited in the dining hall. So there you go. But I didn't think that I still didn't think that I had any, um, like there was no disorder to my thought process on it. I was just like, yeah, I don't have the commitment. Uh, I'm too lazy to commit to a diet. So anytime I did any type of diet, which I did a few different times. And sometimes I lost like, you know, 30 pounds over like four months and Weight Watchers or whatever. Um, But I was just like, it's too much work to stick with it. And I thought that mental anguish was because I was too fixated on it. So I might as well just let my body be. And then when I was reading it, and it was talking about like, this was even still in the opening part where like hormones, the survival mode, all of that stuff, it changes your hormones, your brain chemistry. And so it lowers your metabolism. And then you biologically are obsessed with food. Like the mental fixation is caused by the physical restriction. And I was like, oh, that's why I could not think about dieting when I was dieting. And then the whole, we trap ourselves in a famine state. And so the food fixation continues. And then we become those little old ladies in the nursing home worried that the pudding is going to make them fat. And y'all, I feel this in my family right now. And I'm like, oh my God no, that's not what's happening. Like that doesn't, that, that doesn't need to happen anymore. I'm, I don't want that to happen anymore. So even though I never felt like I was restricting myself, clearly I was, I just was restricting myself enough to not like actually be making any physical changes in my body, but enough to make me always thinking about it, like thinking about eating more or not eating enough or wanting to eat more and the whole, why, why do I have to be hungry? And I was like, yeah, because food has to go in your body. Like, I don't get mad when my car needs gas. Why does my car have to have gas? Yeah. Where does this come from? And we I don't would, get mad at our children when they're hungry. Like, we don't get mad at them whenever they get hungry. We don't get mad at other people when they get hungry. But when we shame ourselves and get angry with ourselves or get frustrated with ourselves for our own hunger, it's 100% socialization. I mean, bodies aside, women aren't supposed to want we're not supposed to have desire. Like it's fucked up patriarchy that tells us we're not supposed to desire anything. And and that even comes across in, in marketing of things that are like indulgent and, you know, like they, they're sinful things that are like fucking chocolate. Like what, what, what is this? It's bullshit. 
it's gross, <laughs> but mm. yeah, I think it's interesting that, um, Laura, that with your experience, you may not have had an eating disorder or had particular disordered eating, but you did at some point want to go on a diet in order to experience weight watchers and to know what that was. And then like, because of that, then you probably have the experience of understanding the difference between the fixation that occurs when you're on a diet and when you're not like, I mean, I know like for me now over the last couple of years, healing my relationship with food, I think about it way less than at any other point in my life. Like I, the first time I went on a diet was less than 12. 12 was the first time I started ingesting weight loss pills. Yeah. And for me, it would be one of those things where the reason I didn't quote unquote go on diets more often was simply the mental exhaustion of being on one. It was not the physical restriction or whatever. It was the, like, I have to think I have to go buy only these foods and then I have to plan. and I have to think too much. And I think a lot anyway, my anxiety causes my brain to go very fast all of the time. And so then when I was still going fast, but then I had to keep going back to, Oh yeah, but like I haven't, I have to do these recipes or I have to make sure I do that vitamin or whatever. Like then it just was, I was just exhausted from doing it. So I didn't That's do the it. Whole because, right. The diet is so exhausting. The mental exhaustion. I didn't even like, I, I didn't care enough about any of the physical changes to want to put myself into that mental anguish. And I realize now it was my own self, like protecting myself from that yeah. thing. Like it was my own protective barrier being like, mm, don't, but I did shame myself that the mental part of it was too hard. Like why, why do you have to have such a brain that goes so fast and has so much that you are overwhelmed by that mental part? Like that, it, that was my problem. I didn't shame myself that I couldn't do the diet. I shame myself that the mental part of it was way yeah. too hard. It had nothing to do with the food. Which is the same fucking bullshit. It comes from the same fucking place. But I never would have said that. Yeah. Like reading and I'm like, oh yeah. And like, yeah. And it makes sense. And I know I have heard of the studies where people, their health factors are changing because of stress and like stress management um, and, you know, healing healthy relationships, having healthier relationships, whatever, like having cholesterol and blood pressure and all those things changing because of that and not because of weight. And, but at the same time, I was like, but that's not really what's happening, right? Like there has got to be something else. And so I'm glad that she does cite studies talking about, you know, these people had no change in their eating and their weight. They changed these things, you know, and then they had, you know, better cholesterol results and that sort of thing. I mean, one of the times I went on a diet was because a doctor uh, that I no longer go to told me that my blood pressure was too high. And so, and I was, on the BMI scale, a doctor used the BMI scale less than like just over 10 years ago and considered obese. So I needed to lose weight so that my blood pressure would go down. And I thought the the BMI scale today, huh? Doctors still use the BMI. Oh yeah. No, I know. I know. But here's, I mean, like he was a psychiatrist. He wasn't even (laughs) like my psychiatrist told me I had to lose weight because my, my blood pressure was high and so I needed to lose weight and I thought the world was ending because if my psychiatrist is telling me that I'm physically unhealthy, what the hell is happening in this world? What am I going to do? I'm, this is like, I was distraught. I hate that for you. I am so sorry you had that experience. Right. And now I realize too, part of the reason when I chose not to go back to him was because I felt uncomfortable with him. And then I realized, well, of course my blood pressure was high when he took it in his office and he would take it over and over again while he's asking me questions. Tell me someone who is in their psychiatrist's office who always is perfectly calm and their blood pressure is not high. (laughs) I haven't been to a psychiatrist, but is that normal for the, for the mental health doctor to be taking your blood pressure? So he's, because he's not a mental health, I mean, psychiatrist is specifically with the drugs. He's not like, he wasn't my therapist. It wasn't therapy. It was a check and make sure the medications I'm taking are working for my body. And there's no, and one of the medications I was on at the time, I don't take that one anymore because I've realized it wasn't really doing any, made, didn't make a difference. Um, but one of them, one I was on could cause some high blood pressure. 
and some things. And because according to him- Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. One yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, medications yeah, yeah. could cause high blood pressure, but I'm going to tell you to lose weight. I fucking hate this. I'm this pretty like- sure that's right. And I'm pretty sure that's why oh. I could be wrong. I, I won't fact my- check myself because I don't care either way fuck it all but, but because of but because of my weight already it i think it was a it could cause high blood pressure in people who had a higher bmi and because i had a higher bmi by the way at that point i was at least 80 pounds less than i am now um but i had to lose weight and no i hate everything about that. this this is like when this is like when somebody is diagnosed with fucking pcos which causes weight gain. And a doctor says, lose weight in order to manage your PCOS. Oh no. my God. That's like saying I have COVID. So I'm coughing. And the doctor saying, well, stop coughing and you'll fix your COVID. Fuck you. Fuck you. No, absolutely fucking not. I fucking hate it. <laughs> yes. When PCOS. I was nerve. <laughs> I just fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. These are doctors. These are doctors. These are the medical professionals that we trust with our actual bodily health. And it's uh, all of all of the ways that doctors are wrong just piss me off. The fucking racism, the fucking sexism, the like every I I just fucking hate it. Anyway, Della, I'm gonna step off of my soapbox here because you're talking. <laughs> You're fine. I'm probably just going to make it worse. Um, when I was 15, I had chronic migraines. Um, eventually, I got diagnosed with anxiety. And turns out when I left my parents' house, I didn't have migraines as much anymore. Um, but in this, of course, I didn't know about this. This is what I still thought anxiety was when you were stressed out sometimes. Um, yeah. And so I was seeing a neurologist. And when I started seeing my neurologist, um, he told me that just because I didn't throw up every time I had a migraine didn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a migraine. When he stopped seeing me as his patient six months later, he told me at this time I was 5'8", 160 pounds, um, very thin, okay? He told me that Clearly, I wasn't having migraines because if I was having migraines, then I would be throwing up constantly. If I was throwing up constantly, I would for sure be anorexic. And I was too fat to have been having migraines. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry you had this experience. I hate this for you. bananas. I was like, that contradicts what you said. And then it just, it was a hole. And I've, like, with my knees and my back injuries in the last couple of years, um, I had one of the doctors at the doctor's office that I go to, not my primary doctor, just whoever was on call, um, had mentioned, well, maybe I should lose some weight to help with my knee pain. And I'm like, guess what, bro? I totally would. But I can't walk for more than five minutes at a time because I am in excruciating pain because I have injuries. I have gained like 160 pounds, something like that. I don't know. Since I hurt my back because I can't go hiking anymore. I can't go for long walks. I'm not all over the place anymore. But I'm also not beating myself up for not being able to do those things anymore. And I feel mentally, (laughs) thank you, Megan. I feel mentally and physically better now than I ever did when I was trying so hard to fit into this box that all of my doctors told me I needed to fit into like, Oh, well, if your shoulders hurt, you need to get a boob reduction. If your knees hurt, you need to walk more. What I find so fascinating about this concept that if you have joint issues, that means you need to lose weight is that like one way that people lose weight is by adding excess weight to their body and carrying it around in order to increase their muscle mass. And like, yeah, that, that, does not check out. It does not check out. So like, I, I do understand the idea that in order to support your joints better, increasing your muscle mass and strengthening your musculature can help to stabilize the joints that on board. So instead of lose weight, lift Mm -hmm. some weights, 
that is such a different concept. And that's like, or I stretch, do stretching. Yeah. Improve your flexibility. Exactly. So your body can, you know, it doesn't hurt to move and it helps your joints. Yeah, exactly. And when lose weight is used as a shorthand for move your body, eat a vegetable, drink some water. I'm just like, okay. So if I go do some meth and lose a hundred pounds, is that what you want? Like, yeah, I think that's the winner right there. Like I just, it just blows my fucking mind when lose weight is just used as shorthand for here's what I actually think would be useful for your specific body in order to help it overcome whatever obstacle it is facing lose weight in, in what manner, in what manner do you want me to stop eating entirely? Do you want me to use drugs in order to decrease my body mass? Do you like, like, what is it that you would like me to do? Because lose weight doesn't fucking mean anything. And the the gravitational pull that the earth has on your body is what determines your weight. You want me to change gravity? Like, I just, I, I just hate it. Ah! I hate it. Anyway. Can I make a blanket recommendation to everyone? Having gone through a lot of this bullshit over the last couple of years, fire the doctor. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Just, just fucking fire them. Hundred. I've I've had to fire like three or four doctors over the last couple of years because I had a thyroid thing and like they didn't care. So mm-hmm. I fired them and found a doctor who actually gave a shit, mm-hmm. and it worked yeah. better. Oddly, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, that's not something that is available to everyone. However, yes, a hundred percent. If you have the availability to seek out different medical care fucking do it because a doctor that's shaming you for the body that you're in can fuck right off. Well, and I think also what's really scary about that is that um, a lot of times the reason it works is because you don't have that awareness yet. Like when that psychiatrist said that to me, I didn't have that awareness. And, you know, and so part of it is like, obviously having the awareness now, if someone says that to me, I'll either you say what you want. Thank you very much. Or fire you if I can fire you or whatever, you know what I mean? But, but without knowing that you have a voice in that to even take, like without women specifically knowing that there's a voice that they can have in that situation, they don't know that they another can perspective. do that. Right. Any other perspective. I mean, when I was reading the the intro of the book, something I even highlighted was when she's talking about like, um, you, you get the diet book, you read it. You're like, this is the diet that's going to solve everything. And the whole phrase where she was like, you're so excited to have finally found this scientific and ancient diet that will take away your weak human desire for food. Yeah. You have been so frustrated with your hungry humanity that you are willing to do anything to be less of a burden to society with the space you take up. Yeah. Yes. That's not okay. Take up all of the goddamn space, physically, emotionally, mentally, any old way you want to take up that space, take up that space. But to not know that you have permission to take that space up in any way, that's why it all works. I mean, talking about the timeline of, you know, obesity in America and how it correlates with 20 to 30 years after Weight Watchers and Slim Fast and all of these came on the market. And then guess what? Then we have morbid obesity all over because guess what? We've made people obsessed with it. Well, and also change the measurements, change the metrics by which things are measured. Yeah. Let's just drop it down. So instead of overweight, we're going to call you obese, but it's the same number. It's the same size. And also, okay, that, okay. I want to get to the thriving part because I keep like almost looping back to the thriving part, which is like the end of the book and then getting distracted by the stuff at the beginning of the book. That 3,200 calories was like subsistence level I was pissed. Yeah. Because I, I knew I knew that for yeah. me, what they recommend for my weight to maintain is like 2,600 calories a day. But even that's probably wrong. It's probably too low because yeah. I don't literally just sit and vegetate all day. Right. <laughs> and I'm just, I don't know. I'm, fuck it. Fuck it. Exactly. The yeah. whole thing. Fuck it. <laughs> and, and like I, I really reading this book there were so many times I was like man I want to give this book to all of the people in my life 
who have like spat this stuff back at me and not, not in terms of like, Oh, you need to necessarily, but like hearing people talk about themselves in such a terrible way, because mm. obviously everybody falls prey to it, thinking bad about themselves because the fucking patriarchy, but the amount that I talk shit on myself compared to like my mom night and day, you, you wouldn't know that she had ever had a decent thought about herself. She's constantly obsessed with food mm-hmm. and like she has been constantly obsessed with food literally my entire life. And I, I really want to just like mail her a mysterious package. That's the fucking diet and never say another word to her again. <laughs> I support it. I support it with all of my soul. <laughs> well, especially when it talks about, I mean, there's even, you know, links to studies where it talks about the, one of the biggest indicators of weight is your genetics. Yeah. And you may be frustrated if you're short, but like you don't try and you don't like, there's not $60 billion industry making you taller necessarily. They just started making pants shorter for people who are short. There's short pants or petites or whatever. Um, but weight is something we have to change. No, yeah. full stop. Fuck it. this is the in the the year-long program in pressure point coaching um this is the section that i get the most pushback on the body image and health like that that six-week portion we talk about sex we talk about money we talk about your mom (laughs) but it's the (laughs) diet and weight loss portion that people have like they want to fight me And I'm like, listen, you can keep it. You can totally keep everything that you think about weight and health. I'm not going to force you to change it. Just be aware of what it is that you think about it and how that feels. Because if you're constantly shaming yourself about your body, you are not going to be thinking from the same place, from the same part of your brain. You're not going to be making the same decisions. That might open you up to a slightly different perspective. If not fine, but like, it is fascinating to me. Like I, I a hundred percent, when I created this program, I a hundred percent thought that I was going to get more pushback on money and time than anything else. And I thought that because that's what like I have struggled with most. Um, Mm -hmm. but like it is absolutely body image and weight. That's why in Rexy, we're spending three months on this because <laughs> all, well, all the fucking forms that I got back in when people were like, yes, I would like to be part of this. were like, I need to lose weight. Help me lose weight. I hate my body. And I was just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take, we're going to take some time here in the beginning. <laughs> um, I, I didn't push back on that in your program, Kelly. I just skipped it because I wasn't broken. I wasn't broken. I didn't need that part. I was fine. And in the last couple of months, I have realized I wasn't fine. I was very, very, very good at lying to myself. Is that why you asked for access to the videos in the alum channel? um, I actually know because I still didn't think I needed to go back to that. No, that was more, that was money stuff. I was wanting to revisit some money stuff. Um, But I, I, I also was planning whenever I got the videos to go back and do it. I was like, well, I'll do it eventually just to say I did it, even though I know I don't need it. I was lying to myself. I still am. I know I need it. I'm just in in avoidance because that whole fear of fear of the feelings. That's what I've got going on. Yeah, you're going to have a a lot of feelings. I've started because I started reading this book like my library uh is about to expire my library book rental is about to expire so it's been almost four weeks and I finished it this morning uh I've started just saying fuck it all the time and it. it feels great um the emotional part is rough uh, I've been crying a lot more, but like, it's kind of good too. Yeah. And then you get to the thriving part and I'm realizing how much 
freedom it's opened me up to. Yeah. And how like, oh yeah, uh, I've got to think about, because I was prepping my lunches every day to be like 300 calories for breakfast, 500 calories for lunch. And then like dinner was just like until I was full. The amount of time I have saved not prepping the same freaking lunch every single day. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Highly recommend. Yeah. I love that for you. I yeah, love that's that really you awesome. Reclaimed some of your time, some of your energy, some of your brain space. That th- this is what this is what fucking diet culture does to us. It it robs us. It robs us of our time. It robs us of our energy. It robs us of our thought processes. It robs us of our relationships. It robs us as our of our abilities to take pleasure in our bodies, or even just to like live in them without shame. <laughs> And can I just say, I'm very intrigued by the fact that diet industrial complex is dick. <laughs> this is the part of the movie where like the glowing down patriarchy from above will glow and highlight like dick, 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 dick. And it will like, we will come and push it over. I have never, I I have read this book physically with my eyes, like visually. I have listened to it at least three times. I have never thought about this before and I am absolutely delighted. What a dick. (laughs) Me too. But also I like, I haven't finished the book yet. I'm like a little over a fourth of the way through. I just started it like yesterday or the day before. And I'm excited to finish it because I had already unknowingly been laying the groundwork like the last, you know, like couple months realizing, oh yeah, that's why I skipped that thing when I was doing the program and blah, blah, blah. But now as I'm reading it, I'm really excited to get through it and get to that part. Like I'm not so scared of the feelings, but I'm already worrying about like, okay, so how am I going to talk to other people about this? They're going to be, they're going to give me pushback when I say these things. How am I going to tell them to like, you know, fuck it. Um, they cover that in the book. They Good. do. And I love and that. I, know that so I saw that, that was like in the outline. I saw that was in the outline. So I was like, Good. Cause I'm going to need that too. Please. Thank you very much. So as your coach, I'm going to offer you that if you are considering how other people are going to respond to you, that's your own thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Not about them at all. And so very aware. Like if you're if you're trying to control how other people are perceiving you or what other people might say about this process, those are the things to look at because those are the things that you're as you said lying to yourself about. Well, I don't think this, but somebody else might. Like that's a lie. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Very aware of that. So very excited to continue on the book process. Hmm. So, what else can we talk about? The amazing power of the lie down. Yeah, I think everyone should implement that today, if possible. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Just get horizontal I... for ten minutes. Yeah, I'm super excited about that one. <laughs> I haven't implemented it yet, but I'm super excited about it. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, as I'm flipping through here and like seeing the pages lined out. Did anyone else listen to, or is anyone else listening to the audiobook instead of, okay, Megan, um, I encourage you to, um, find a visual copy of it, whether it's, I have one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, I'm, so I'm reading it audio, audio audibly, uh-huh. I'm listening to it and then I'm going to go back and read it visually. And also that's when I'm going to do the writing prompts. Okay. Cause so- I've been listening to it while driving. I'm just kind of flipping through here and I see like the way some of the tools are lined out um, registers a little bit differently, seeing like where the bullet points are as opposed to just hearing it. So um, like, how will you know this is working? You'll start forgetting about treats you bought that you would have previously inhaled or obsessed over. You'll start actually noticing whether you like the taste of certain foods or not. You'll notice that sometimes you're in the mood for certain foods and sometimes you're not. You'll feel comfortable stopping in the middle of a certain food if you're full or if it isn't the food you really want. You'll stop worrying that eating certain foods will directly affect your weight. 
You may even get strangely picky and not be in the mood for foods that you used to love. And you may be bored by lots of food. This is normal. And this is also a sign that things are shifting. The way that is outlined lands differently when you see all the bullet points here. Um, and obviously like visual readings, not available to everyone or accessible to everyone, or like doesn't work as well for everyone, which like is part of why I read audiobooks. Um, but you know, sometimes the visual components are really useful. So yeah, I've actually, I'm actually doing that with all of the books that we have in, in the Rexy book club, mm-hmm. because there's just so much goodness in all of them that I'm like, I need to consume it in every way possible because this shit is legit and it's going to stick in my fucking brain. Yeah. I, so just so that y'all are aware when I'm picking the books for the book club, um, they're books that I have read visually and own, like I actually own a physical copy of it. Um, and I read the audiobooks ahead of time. Like I have already read the book visually. I then read the audiobook ahead of time to make sure that it actually does align with, you know, what, what we're doing in the generality <laughs> of the Rexy collective. Um, and then I listen to it again, at least once, if not twice during the month of like that book. Um, but I don't read visually it again. And I think that that might be something that I start doing because every single one of them I have noticed like, oh yeah, there's this thing that like it's blocked out differently and it stands out differently than when you're hearing it. So just like hot tip for anybody who does listen to audiobooks. Um, yeah. So anyway, what else, what else are you picking up? I really love um at the beginning because that's still where I am um when specifically it talks about when she's talking about all of the different diets it's like this is it um it Laura mentioned part of the quote earlier um like this is it this is the one this is the new age and ancient thing that is going to make me love myself Uh uh-huh and that is so intensely powerful and like when I read that I had to like put the book down for a minute because I was like I have the privilege of coming into this book having laid down some sort of foundation with that with coaching with you so like pre-coaching with Kelly before we got to the body area of coaching if I would like catch my my profile in the mirror my thought was oh that was my thought it was just oh no Um, Whereas now I'm like, oh, that's a human body. Uh, And then I just move on with myself because Mm -hmm. I'm good with, I'm so good with neutral. I can be neutral. I'm a human being. Um, And sometimes human beings eat an entire bag of Oreos and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And like, I love that so much because no diet is going to make you love yourself. And that's what they try to feed us is like, as well, when you're thin, you'll love yourself. When you're thin, society will love you. And then and you'll be perfect. I think that that's a, that's a slightly like shifted nuance. When you're thin, society will love you. Or when you're thin, you'll be lovable. Because so many people don't even have, they don't even fathom the concept of loving themselves. Yes. They think like, they need to be lovable so that someone else will love them. It doesn't matter if I love myself. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. I don't need that. I don't need to love myself. People who love themselves are um, what conceited or people who love themselves are narcissistic or people who love themselves are what the fuck ever else. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be that person. So I'm not going to try to love myself. I'm just going to try to change myself so that I am acceptable to be loved by someone else, whether that's a partner or a friend or a parent, often, often a parent or society at large. And that's, that's the part that I find to be the most sad Mm -hmm. is that we aren't, we are, we are so distanced from ourselves that often we aren't even aware that self-love is an option. 
that it is available. We think we need to seek it from external sources. And that, I mean, I'm also anti the idea that you can't love someone else until you love yourself. Like, fuck you. That's like telling me I will never know love because I do not have children. Fuck you on all the levels, you know, like that. I hate that. (laughs) But when you do love yourself, your love for other people, things, ideas, whatever is a little bit different because there's not the same kind of validation seeking. They're not, there's not the same kind of, you know, I love you because I feel better about myself when I'm with you. That is so wildly correct in all of my relationships, including my current relationship with Nathan, uh, romantic sexual relationships, I should specify because everything's a relationship. Um, (laughs) I would ask, well, why do you love me? Or what do you love about me? And I needed it. I needed that validation because I didn't feel secure in the relationship. And at some point during coaching with you, I have no idea when, because that was also coaching with you started like six or eight months into my relationship with Nathan. Um, So at some point during that that shift, It's very new. I go real hard, real fast. (laughs) Um, At some point during that shift, I didn't care anymore. Yeah. Instead of me obsessively asking him all the time, a question that he didn't have an answer to, I love you because I love you. um, I'm just like, yeah, he loves me, whatever. Like, that's cool. And like, I mean, I'm, it means something to me. I'm not really that cavalier about it all the time, but like, uh-huh. I'm not spending all of my thinking and like my anxiety is not like when it's in 50 different places, one of the 50 different places is no longer, but does Nate actually love me? Is he not just lying to me? What if he thinks that I'm too fat or I'm too much, or I'm, taking up too much space or I'm not enough or whatever else. I'm just like, he loves you. If he didn't, he wouldn't be here. I love. And by love, I mean, absolutely fucking hate when we simultaneously think I'm too much and not enough. How, 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 how (laughs) that's like saying simultaneously that keto is the best diet ever. And raw veganism is the best diet. How, No. Well, this does speak to like the expectations of women. I think that like we have to both be real thin and prep desserts for every meal. And we have to bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and look like hell while doing it. You know, like we have to do literally everything. You, you, Mm -hmm. you don't have a career and a family. What's wrong with you? You don't have a perfect home life and, and like, time to exercise what's wrong with you like we are expected to just be able to do literally everything perfectly with no assistance no input we're not supposed to eat the wrong things we're not supposed to eat at all we're not supposed to need need things uh-huh. and that's that's the rub isn't it uh-huh 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 i hate it <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Kelly. One <laughs> um, of my, what do I call her? She's my friend. She's my teacher. She's my mentor. I don't know. Um, Susan Hyatt. She is working on a documentary right now about the second shift where like you work your first shift of your normal job. And the second shift is taking care of all the fucking family shit. Even if, even if your partner helps around the house or occasionally babysits or, you know, for those of you listening, all of this shit's in air quotes um, or whatever else, like you still are managing the task load because you're delegating, you know, what needs to be done and how it needs to be done and in the correct order that it needs to be done. And you're managing all of the steps, even if you're not the one physically doing it. And it's just like, that, is the largest component of what ended my marriage Mm -hmm. is because I could not possibly be your wife, your mother, and your manager Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. 
and there were a lot of other things. <laughs> we made each other miserable. Um, but it just, it's so insane because Kelly, you know, that I refer to myself often as a recovering perfectionist mm-hmm. because Marie, like what you were talking about, I have to be perfect in everything. I need to know things before anyone even tells me about it. I just have to know. It has to just download into my brain. I don't have to learn anything. I don't have to be a student at any point. I just need to be perfect all of the time and all of the things. And then if only the matrix was a thing and we could actually just like plug in and (laughs) immediately know, like I am waiting for that day. I am very excited about this technology. but it's not here yet so (laughs) yeah until then I guess I'll have to read the books and do some research and listen when people talk to me (laughs) (sighs) I love it I love it (laughs) what else Randy I'm not going to force you to talk but I do want to allow space if there are ideas you would like to share I, I don't really, I'm just kind of listening. I'm caught up in some drama in my head, but um, I listened to the book and I think that was my first um, or one of my problems with this is that I did physically see the writing. So the messages I think got a little bit lost in translation because I'm not sure I was entirely focused on what I was hearing. Um, but I think I am going to go buy the book and go through it and actually like see the five um, things that she laid out, you know, the steps to like do the work because right now it's just like all this information floating in my head. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. I but love it was a really good read. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you are considering purchasing a visual copy of the book. I think that that'll be really useful for you. Um, Cause like I said, just in flipping through here, I'm noticing things that like, oh yeah, that it, it hits different when you see it, it hits different. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I've always been a book reader. So this was my first listening to a book thing. And I mean, it went okay. I did speed it up a little bit, but I could definitely feel my attention wandering because I wasn't actively like focused on something. <laughs> I was just listening to it and I'm like, huh, what happened? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Transitioning into audio when it's like a new format is definitely, I mean, it's a transition, just like I said, like it, it takes, yeah. takes a little I, bit of an adjustment. It'll take some getting used to, but yes, it was very good information. There's definitely a lot of work to do there. Cause I wouldn't describe myself as like ever having been on a diet in my life until like the last year I decided that I was fat and I needed to lose weight. And there's this whole thing and I threw a lot of money at it and year and a half later, I'm still fat, still got a lot of issues, but having read the fuck it diet, I'm now coming to the terms of the fact that like, I like food. I don't want to be healthy. I want to eat good food. Also like fat and unhealthy aren't the same and thin and healthy aren't the same. And that's the thing that that's like the, the crux of everything. Yeah. And even at that, Even at that, health does not have a moral value. It is not your moral obligation to be healthy. You do not owe that to anyone on the planet. You do not owe that to yourself. Health is not available to everyone at all times in the same ways. And what we describe as quote unquote being healthy changes over time, over place in cultures. Like there is no universality to what it means to be healthy. So like, if you want to quote unquote, be healthy, the really the first step to that is to define what that even means to you. Are you tracking your A1C levels? Are you tracking your blood pressure? Are you like, if you're, if you're just tracking the number on the scale, that doesn't mean anything about that at all. Um, like just my go-to for examples of how you cannot judge a person's health or by how they look is when I moved to St. Thomas, I put on some weight because I was hella stressed out because my boss was crazy. And um, like I am familiar with those types of environments. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And yeah, so I am like living in a nightmare world and just, you know, comfort eating left and right and not like it's too fucking hot. I'm not like all of the things. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. I'm so terrible. Locals are looking at me saying, oh my God, you're doing so well. You've put on weight. You look so good. Life must be amazing for you. Yeah. Because in that culture, if you're heavier, that means life is fucking great because you can afford to buy food. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like back when curvy women were depicted as the epitome of beauty in art, it was sought after to gain weight because that's what the aristocracy could afford. Now it's sought after to lose weight because that's what the aristocracy can afford. The food that is more readily available is the food that is less nutritious <laughs> and higher in like caloric density without having the nutrients that your body actually needs. And so people will put on weight with lower cost foods. Sometimes some bodies will, and it costs money to be thin. It costs more money to eat vegetables. It costs more money to have access to some sort of you know, workout regimen or like place to work out that is safe. And it's just not available to everyone. It to have takes the time to do that. Yeah. It takes time. Exactly. And time and money and mental energy. Like that's yeah. what the last year really taught me is the mental energy required to be on a diet was just awful. Yeah. Like the mere trying to maintenance that sucker of feeling like every your whole goddamn day revolved around food and what were you going to eat and how were you going to eat it and when were you going to eat it mm-hmm. and it was terrible. And that when that's where all of your focus goes, your focus does not go to creating the life that you actually want to live. It does not go to creating the relationships that you want to be part of. It does not go to being part of the communities that you want to invest in. It doesn't go to the things that you actually want to do because you're not allowed to want. You're only allowed to restrict. One thing that struck me when I first started reading was the whole concept of restriction. And like, obviously it doesn't fucking work. Perfect example, abstinence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, get get some people to admit to that and we'll have a lot fewer problems. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, the high school that I went to, the nickname for it was Mommy Ridge because so many girls got pregnant there every year. Um, and they taught abstinence. And even at 14 in health class, I was like, I mean, guys, I don't think this is working. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, so when my brain made that connection, it's like, of course dieting isn't going to work. Because restriction is just not a thing. That yeah, restriction creates rebellion. No matter what form of restriction it is, when you're restricting yourself, you're going to rebel against yourself. And then the part of you that's creating the restriction is going to inflict punishment upon the part of you that's creating the rebellion. And you're going to create a war inside of yourself. And it's going to be a shit show. <laughs> it is always a shit show. <laughs> it is so. a shit show. <laughs> It is a shit show. (laughs) All right. Um, Thank you all so much for joining me this evening for this delightful discussion. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I love getting worked up over topics that I just want to (laughs) change. Thank you for Um, hosting us. Do what? Thank you for hosting us. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course. So next month, our book is Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, also available in audiobook. It is more dense than The Fuck It Diet and, well, than any of the books. This is our third book now, than any of the books that we have read. So I am considering making it a two-month book. We will see how that goes at our 
I don't know, in the next couple of weeks, maybe I'll check in in the Facebook group to see how y'all are doing with it. Maybe it'll just be like next month's discussion. We'll see where everybody is and if we need another month for it. Um, but because it is more dense material and I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to get through it in a way that feels supportive. So question, when you say more dense, does that mean more citations? I say excitedly or more emotional density, more citations. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's a professor. She's a professor. So her writing is more academic and I think you will love it. Um, but it definitely like, it takes a little bit more to get through it. It's not, it's not written and in a conversational tone. (laughs) Yes. More citations. It's going to be heavy reading then. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, so good. So, so good. So good. So good. Oh, so good. Um, but We'll see how we'll see how it goes. If we need two months for it, we will totally spend two months for it. That's why I haven't like officially announced anything beyond this yet. I'm currently compiling the list of books for next year, but it's this book specifically that I'm like, I don't want to put anything out official because if I need to change it, well, I, I just want to not instead. <laughs> so if we need two months more, we'll spend two months on it. If not, if we get through it next month, then we'll do, um, we'll do the next book in September. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I'm super excited for that discussion and what comes up in it. So thank you. I love you all and I'll see you soon. Bye.